0: Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the NFL Scotland podcast with hours until the start of the 2022 draft. It feels like Christmas Eve, unless you're a Chicago Bears fan because you don't have a first round pick. My name is Charles Patterson and I'm sitting in again for Paul Mitchell and Cameron Hobbs because Cameron is still trying to get a gig with the Seahawks. Paul still in the huff about Jameis. And and whether or not New Orleans are going to sign a quarterback in this draft, we just don't know. We'll find out in the next 48 hours. And Gordon McGuinness has deserted me as well. He's gone off to the States and he could be touting for a job at NFL Media. So I'm delighted to say I'm joined by pretty much the only two members of this podcast left, Jamie Gworthwick and Ian Stephen, both of whom have, of course, got a very vested interest in this draft uh, coming up. In a matter of hours, gentlemen, because we sit here, the three of us, all three of our teams have got two first round picks. There is a lot to discuss, a lot to analyse as we count down to what's going to be going on in Vegas. Ian, if I could start with you, what do you make of what is about to happen in this draft? Are you impressed by the talent on offer?
1: When, when people are drafting, they they, they like to look at um, previous methods that people have used to try and identify talent. So, for example, the Cowboys kicked off the whole computer scenario in the 50s and 60s where Gil Brandt, and everybody copied onto that and then people want to draft for, for certain defences or they want to take quarterbacks now. They could run spread offences. But the most... Um, The most influential system at the moment in the NFL draft is the evacuation of Mario Paul because anybody who is anybody in the top 15 picks are trying to get the hell out because this is one of the least talented draft pools that we'll have seen in the past 20 years. This draft is so bad that the best player in this draft is a punter. (laughs) The likeliest player to become an All-Pro in this draft is a punter. And the debate has now been had, how early can we take a punter, or can we take him in the second round? Because teams are currently going... Ape poop on the phones trying to move it. The Eagles have already done it. The Eagles have already shifted their first-round pick into next year, thanks to the Saints, because there's four or five guys coming out of college that could be viable quarterbacks. They've already made the sensible move, and there's about four or five teams just now furiously trying to get out of this first round of the draft.
0: And yet, here we have Jamie Borthwick and the New York Giants sitting at
2: five and seven. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Well, I think we'll use at least one of them and get a tackle. Um, and there's three to choose from, and they will almost certainly choose the wrong one. That's and, what they do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and the other one, they are utterly desperate to shop for the talent reason, but also because they've got too many picks this year and no enough um, cap room to actually sign them all. So um, while Joe Shane is playing an extremely cool he is going to be sweating bullets, hoping that his phone rings because someone's lost their mind and wants either his fifth or his seventh uh, on Thursday evening because I don't think he wants to hand in that slip twice. I do not think that at all. You've got to admire, actually,
0: the Eagles for getting rid of those, one of those first round picks uh, and jumping back a year. They've got so much draft capital. We're going to be talking about this in 12 months time, about how smart they were. But l- let's go back Back to what you were just talking about and the potential for a Giants to draft a tackle. There are three who have been mentioned who might go in the top five or six. You've got Ike Konu, you've got uh, Evan Neal, and you've got Charles Cross. Who do you want if you're a Giants fan, if
2: indeed that's what they're going to try and do? The consensus among Giants fans seems to be on Evan Neal um, in terms of size, in terms of the the system he's played, the fact that he's done a lot of run blocking, but he can shift over to the other side. So he's almost certainly going to start at right tackle and then over time possibly compete with Andrew Thomas to to, to go over to the left. Charles Cross has been um, part of an air raid offence. He's used to playing pass protection constantly, whereas New York want a wee bit more... Um, adaptability across there, and Um it, it really depends on who you listen to as to whether he's the the, you know the the, consensus to be the strongest one there. Uh, I've I've read through. I've looked at their you know their their measurables. I've read all these scouting reports. Um, And I've read so many uh, far more expert opinions than mine. No one can make up their mind. And so the only thing I'm certain is that that the Giants will draft the wrong one.
0: Which they did recently. That's what that Well, Sorry, I'm just throwing it out there that Andrew Thomas wasn't the right
2: pick. But (laughs) yes, there were better tackles taken that year. However, Andrew Thomas um, has really come onto a game and I think is going to be a, a more than serviceable left tackle going forward.
1: Well, the, it's the, a really,
2: tough problem to have, is
0: the,
1: the good thing for the Giants in this is that both Icky and Evan Neal, they can both excel at guard. So if they mm. aren't good enough to play at tackle, they can easily shift inside and they could end up having somebody who's like a pro bowl guard, they're, they're that good. I think Evan Neal played four positions across the Alabama line and a lot of people think Kwonho's best position could be at guard. So it might well be that um, it's a, Each, each uh, choice of either one of them uh, They've got two players instead of one Because of the fact they can excel, excel at the two positions
0: How important yeah, is that nowadays in the modern NFL union That if you draft a player on the offensive line That he can play multiple positions We've seen Green Bay with Elgin Jenkins Has played every position across the line and he's developed into one of the best all around offensive linemen in the league. And I I mean, I've watched him for the last two, three years. He's been outstanding, but when you're drafting at that high up, how big a priority is that? Do you think?
1: You know, That's a really, really good question because when you're going in the top 10, you want that player to stick to that one position and to learn there. But um, the way that the NFL has moved on in the last 30 years, uh, so many talented guards are converted tackles. The the, the Eagles from 2000 onwards and then it's went across the Chiefs. They draft guys who used to play tackle to move in and guard because 60% of of all plays in the NFL now are are passing plays. So it's usually when they get further down in the draft, they start looking for players that can be both left-handed and right-handed when they play tackle or guard. Um, But the teams who overcome the adversity of suffering or injury are the teams who have a player that can play in multiple positions along that line. And it definitely is something to look for if they've got a offensive line coach that they trust enough to be able to develop them.
2: So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's really useful, but it's probably one of the, the biggest mistakes that the Giants made in recent years was drafting Eric Flowers in the top 10 um, as a tackle, but knowing that he could kick inside the guard and he was dreadful at both.
0: Sorry, <laughs> right. Dave Gettleman's not there anymore. Eh? So you've got to have faith that the new regime might know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I've
2: The got, got, thing is, it's too early to have faith other than blind. Ah, well, listen, it's, there's
0: nothing wrong with blind faith. You never know what's going to happen. Um, Ian, Philadelphia are picking at well, there's, a, there's a surprise coming up for everybody in a sec. Philadelphia have got a 15th and a 18th pick. What's the priority?
1: Um, I think cornerback is probably the most uh, glaring need and there's maybe three players in the, the draft that they would be happy with. At cornerback at about 15 um, Ahmed Gardner Stingley and Trent McDuffie. Um, and also they're looking at wide receiver to complement Devontae Smith because Jalen Rager just really hasn't delivered as a first round pick. And there's starting to be quite a few rumors that it looks like between seven and ten there could be a run in receivers with Jamison Wilson, um sorry, Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson possibly coming off the board. Mm. Um I like um, Garrett Wilson a lot. I think he's the safest receiver in the, the the draft. When you see the ball come anywhere near his hands, it's like a vacuum cleaner that actually makes a noise as it comes into his hands. Do that his again. That
0: Give us that noise again.
1: It's like when you stick a ping pong ball down a Hoover. Just and there's do you do guys, that on a
0: regular basis? ping pong balls in Hoovers, um, or elsewhere.
1: No, because no, because we've got an expensive Hoover and I've got a violent wife, so I, I wouldn't dare. But um, the guys like Jameson Williams are like an excellent deep root runner. They they double double clutch the ball quite a lot, which is something that maybe doesn't get focused on. Um, quite a lot when people are, are talking about receivers, how easy it is for them to catch the ball. Um, what you're looking for in a receiver, though, is a, a, a replica of um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the guy that can run a 15, 20-yard partner and get such good body control and, and hands is a, a guaranteed completion. But teams fall in love with the guys that, that ran the 4 3 See, if you look at the list of top 10 players who've a, a, the, uh the 40 times, it's maybe only like Chris Johnson on that list that actually went on to have a decent NFL career. Um, if you look at the list of players that run the 20-yard shuttle, though, they're near enough all all pros on the 20-yard shuttle. Um, and of course, number six is the best punt returner in NFL history. Um, I'll tell you what. It's all about
0: the punt returning, let's be honest. Um, Dante
1: Hall, number six in that, but you've got Champ Bailey on that list as well. Um, uh, But if the Eagles are meant to be going for cornerback and receiver, the reality is the Eagles are going to do something that nobody expects with one of those picks, because that's what they always do.
0: Nobody expected that they would be able to fob one of their picks off to the New Orleans Saints and we were discussing how that might be a bad idea well guess what we have a surprise because guess who's in the room Mr. Paul Mitchell has decided to come out of his sulk and has joined us good evening how are you
3: good evening Charles good evening everybody it's great to be here uh, Yeah, have was you, a big before we,
0: hang on before we start are you now cool with Jameis and if you are then can we not talk about quarterback tonight potentially going to New Orleans tomorrow <laughs>
3: Okay, two things. One, no, I'm not okay with Jameis, and I never will be. I don't like him, and I don't want him there. It's an interesting point you make, Charles. If New Orleans pick a quarterback with either of those two picks, they are saying, we don't like Jameis either. Because if you Mm. think Jameis can take you to the playoffs in the Super Bowl, you are not wasting a first-round pick on, say, somebody like Kenny Pickett, who is not a guaranteed sure thing. Yeah. Well. So well th- th- that, to me, that to me is it that to me is it
0: let's have a look so um, I'm going to there's been a million mock drafts out there but there are some experts out there who are perhaps more trusted than others um, the venerable Bucky Brooks has made his final uh, mock draft and he has gone for at number 16 the, the Saints selecting Trevor Penning an o- offensive tackle and at 19 Traylon Burks one of the many wide receivers who has been discussed potentially going uh, on one, on this run of wide receivers we're going to see in the first round. Would you be happy with those two picks as a Saints fan?
3: Not that way around, because I think we're going to get a better receiver at 16 than 19, and mm-hmm. I think Penning will stay there at 19. So I think you, you, you flick it the other way around. If they do that, that is the Saints saying, we think we can win this year. Uh, I like Chris Olav or Olavi, however, which way you want to put it. But there's a whole glut of wide receivers that we could spend all night trying to say he's better, he's better, he's better. You know, you can look at the metrics. But, you know, it's also how have the players come across in the meetings with the teams? You know, what's the gut feeling? um, You know, what's their interaction been with anybody else that's been in the building? Sometimes, you know, we don't see that. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, that the Saints wouldn't have a couple of their sort of bigger player, team leader type guys in the building when or with them when they interviewed some of these draft prospects because you get a feel for people. So I think the Saints go wide receiver at 16, best wide receiver available On their board and at 19 you take take Penny. Penny plays at a lower level. I accept that but he's a real strong player. He's got presence. He's got that little bit of nastiness that you need at tackle as well. So I think he'd be a good pick. If we pick Kenny Pickett we're saying that Jameis Winston isn't good enough. That, that to me is the, the whole draft for you're the praying Saints.
0: praying for that.
3: No, you know, well, no I'm not Charles, you know, the, this this is the bizarre thing and I'm not going back on myself. I, as a Saints fan, I want the Saints to win. I mean, that, mm. that's the basic bottom line. Now, if you're going to draft Kenny Pickett, why the hell bring back Jameis Winston? You'd be doing better off signing Andy Dalton and having yep. Pickett, Pickett in behind him. Don't waste your money. Um, the The organisation think the You know, that Jameis is the guy. Don't undermine him then by drafting a quarterback. That that to me is dumb.
0: Yeah. I think that's a fair point. I mean, the law of averages across first round drafts over year after year after year is that you've got a 50-50 chance of a hit or a bust, let's be honest. Whichever position we look at. And you look at the, remember the the fated quarterback class of, I think, 2017 with Josh Allen in it, Josh Rosen in it. People were talking about Josh Rosen's been an almighty failure. Josh Allen, people thought, was perhaps a bit of a risk. Look at how he's developed. Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in that draft. And the jury is out on whether he will ever have a great career. But it's a total shot in the dark, this, ultimately, for every team. And so I guess. If you have two first round picks, which all four of our teams, New Orleans, Green Bay, Philadelphia, New York have, they've got a 50-50 chance of getting an absolute gem, which can only be a good thing, I guess.
3: I think there's different levels of bust here. So Baker Mayfield, I would argue, has not been a bust because he's been a serviceable quarterback and he's played for most of the four years that he's been there. So I don't think he's a bust. Has he been as good as you would have liked? No, therefore, you, you know you've not drafted a star, but he's not a he's not a Josh Rosen in, in any way, shape, or form. So I think there's different levels of bust. I think there's just different levels of need. I mean, the late Dwayne Haskins was taken in the first round, you know, and he wouldn't be described as somebody who's uh, you know had exceeded expectations. And I have to say, I was looking forward to seeing what he would do in Pittsburgh because the one thing I always think about quarterbacks, particularly, is that you deserve a second chance somewhere. I'm not sure if, if Ian and Jamie would agree that's necessarily the case with position players, but quarterbacks, you can simply find yourself in the wrong situation with a bad offensive line, a coaching carousel that just doesn't work for you. So I always think there's an argument for a second chance for a quarterback. I mean, there was, was it Miami or Tennessee a couple of years ago drafted a guy that played three snaps and had to be cut and he was a first round pick. You know, you can get it wrong as an organisation and that to me is a bust failing to live up to your potential but still playing say 30, 40, 50 NFL games he's a serviceable average player yes you're performing at below where you've been drafted um, and, and these things happen because it comes down to it. it is a crapshoot at the end of the day Rosen's a great example you know Zach Wilson you know the jury's still out on him Trey Lance you know number three pick in the draft that's been sat on the bench by San Francisco is that a bust you know, well, I mean,
0: if it is, know, I'm getting a lot of burgers.
3: Well, well, indeed you are. But, you know, and I've no sympathy for teams that create their own mess like that. So that, you know, and I, what I don't want is the Saints to take somebody like Pickett, sit on, Jameis do OK this, this year. You think, well, does Pickett play next year? Does Winston? You're just creating problems for mm. yourself. And I think that's to be avoided. It's a sign of bad, bad management.
0: Jamie, you were talking about uh, how the, you you would like that the Giants want to trade down from seven, and they've got number five. If you look at your neighbours across the street in the Jets, they have number four and number ten. Would you rather be in their position? Because <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> <laughs> they've got greater needs, arguably,
2: in some positions. It's oh that's very it's very arguable. Um no, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between the, the two scenarios there. There's not as much buzz around them attempting to shop their picks as there seems to be around the Giants, but I think that's more to do with the um the cap room. Um no, I mean I think if if at four, yeah, you're still in a position to probably get one of the the the, the top edge rushers, maybe get Gardner. Um, he's but- he's someone else. So so his first
0: first of all to call yourself sauce <laughs> takes a certain amount of balls, and he has been shopping himself as the greatest thing since sliced bread. But then in what over a thousand snaps in college, he never gave up a touchdown. This guy yeah. is the real deal. Is he? The, is this the new Jalen Ramsey?
2: Oh, I don't know. All the all the guys at this point are shopping themselves because they know that they're 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 vying to kind of get one of these top picks aren't they they know that they're in the mix for it um and they're they're throwing themselves out there it's really interesting listening to Kevin Thibodeau um really trying to sell himself hard because of all these questions daft questions about his fire and stuff like this so he's coming out and he's and he's selling himself as a brand but it happens every single year what I love at this point or maybe over the, the, the maybe the two three weeks leading up to the draft is the different buzzes you get around different position groups. So right now it feels like the edge class is getting all the buzz, and you've got Trayvon Walker now being talked about as being the number one overall. So Hutchinson's going to drop. That Jermaine Johnson's coming, and it could be a top ten, certainly top five pick, perhaps. But before then, there was a week where all of a sudden everyone wanted to get a quarterback, and that Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett were going to, you know, teams were going to be trading up to get them. But it comes in waves. Um, the wide receiver class has uh, definitely had its moment in the sun, and people are talking about six, seven, eight wide receivers all going in the first round. And I just love thinking about where does it come from? How does the? How do the? Uh, you know, the, these front offices looking, well, how, what, di- what direction do we want the buzz to go in? Where do we want other people looking, depending on what it is that we're actually high on? Um, and I think there'll be so many surprises in the top 10 of the result, because this is all sleight of hand. This is all smoke and mirrors. Mm. And people, it doesn't seem to be like there's a consensus on any of these early picks whatsoever. Ian, right could- at
0: the top, you came out with the immortal phrase that this is a terrible draft. Um, which some people, oh, hang on a minute, these guys are great, they're coming out of college. But it's because there's no superstar, I guess, in the mix. That makes it entertaining for us, though, and unpredictable, doesn't it? That, that, it should actually be, if we if you can be bothered to stay up and watch this, it's going to be quite good fun because all sorts of things could happen.
1: Definitely. The, the, the players are going to end up coming out of this draft the best of the guys in the second and third round that have a chip on their shoulder and work hard and, and end up Having that work ethic that propels them into a second contract, and the the guys that are going to be top ten, they're going to take get their money straight away. And some of them won't care. Some of them will literally will not give a hoot, and they lie in their interviews by saying, "Oh yeah, I've always loved football," but the reality is no. They just they just want to get paid and then disappear. And those guys further down the draft, (laughs) those guys further down the draft that are that are going to excel that nobody expected, and that's where the real Art comes in and have been able to identify these players from small schools or players who didn't get much, much exposure. Do you roll the dice and take somebody like David Ojabo who's got all the potential in the world? But he may have a career-ending injury. But nobody knows if he's Achilles is going to heal. And that's where the, the the fascination comes in. But certainly for us, everybody in the podcast is going to be tuning in to find out what happens to David and seeing where he's going to go. And hopefully it's going to be a good environment for him.
0: Well, that's it, and you nailed it there. It's about the environment. It's about going at the right place where it's not a complete and utter car crash, like say, for example, Jacksonville was last year, or going to a team that's under pressure and the co- like. If he went to Carolina, I'd be a bit worried, if I'm being honest. But then Carolina don't have another pick until the fourth round, <laughs> so hopefully, if they don't trade back, he's not going to go to Carolina because that place seems to be a bit of a basket case. Um, we haven't talked about and. I don't want to dwell on it too much about the possibility of Green Bay picking a wide receiver in the first round since I think perhaps Bart Starr was behind the centre back in the mists of time. I happen to think that they will pick a wide receiver, but I don't think it'll be the 22nd pick. But even if they don't, I don't think it matters because there seems to be stacks of receivers who seem to be ready to go and play in the NFL. It's not like they're going to have to bed in and I wouldn't actually have a problem, personally, as a Green Bay fan, whether they did pick a wide receiver in the first round or not. Because the best receivers they've picked over the last decade or so, and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, both came in the second round. But I, I'm, I'm curious to think what you guys, how you see this and whether or not they may deliberately annoy the diva and not do it.
2: Actually, what well, well, I, I, I would like to ask you, because Charles, in our mock draft, you selected John Meschey. In the first round he's projected maybe kind of third fourth what made you so high on him in such a deep wide receiver class
0: I, I wasn't I just picked a guy who was frankly um, a name I was just looked through the list and I'm like <laughs> he'll do no um, I don't know I think because he has played for such a big school as well you hear when you when you listen to um, the general managers talk, they tend to feel that especially in the receiver class, the guys who've come from um, more high profile schools like Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, they tend to settle quicker. We saw it. We saw it with um, Jalen Waddell, um, and Devonte Smith. And I think that these these schools are production lines for receivers. So it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest whether if, if he was to be picked. And even if he's a third round pick, he's clearly serviceable as a receiver who can come in. I mean, Green Bay are going to, I think, evolve their offense now that Devontae Adams has left. And it's going to be a case of everyone's going to have to pick up the pieces and can contribute. There's not going to be one guy that Rogers is going to zoom in on. So it could well be him. It could well be someone like, Dotson who they've talked about potentially getting involved or um, it could be someone like Traylon Burks if he's still on the board, but I don't think it's absolutely essential that they draft the receiver in the first round. They've got two second round picks too.
3: I actually like receivers coming slightly further back in, in general terms. I think there's there, there, there's two, two types, arguably three. There are the elite ones, and you can tell who they are. We saw that last year in the draft. But you get the hard workers as well. My problem with with the elite receivers, you know, the ones that have played for your Alabamas who are winning all the time, is do they get challenged enough in college? And I'm not always convinced that they do. So I think when you've got somebody that's, that's of that top level, you know, Jamar Chase, who dominated at, at LSU, or Jalen Wardle, who dominated at Alabama, I think you've got to do a certain different degree of Due diligence Charles on these because they might have had it just too easy in college whereas the guys who are the second and third string receivers and not some of the bigger colleges might be equally as talented but Mm. you know because their quarterback didn't get the same amount of time behind the line etc etc so that's what you're trying to do that's what you're trying to sift out to see where the
1: the genuine talent is The the easy thing for the scouts to do Paul is just put on uh, Alabama versus LSU and you've got the best wide receivers up against the best cornerbacks and that's probably the, the yardstick that they would Use, but if you go over to Clemson and the SEC, they don't have the same level of competition, so it's maybe easier to judge Alabama over um, um, Clemson and other smaller schools. But it's definitely the that's the one advantage the SEC has is half of them are, are NFL players, and it's a, a good yardstick for them to judge with. I mean, how
0: many many receivers are we thinking are going to go in this first round? Because I've seen projections as high as seven or eight. Does that not suggest that? Is it not a bit like teams, one team biting on a quarterback and then everyone else piling in in panic? That just doesn't seem to me to be logical. If you've got a proper, smart general manager and a a smart draft plan, I think there's four
1: that are genuine first rounders, and then (laughs) there's. Three that are um, panic buys essentially, and if the run starts, then there's going to be moves made. I mean, I think I think Garrett Wilson's definitely the the best of the bunch. Um, James Will- Williams, but he's coming off the ECL tier, which could push him down. Drake London, he was injured for half the season, and he's very much a, a jump ball receiver. He didn't run a forty. Um, and Chris Olave. Um, the rest are, are probably going to struggle to get into the first round unless something happens. I think they cause his team to to have a bit of a panic amongst themselves.
0: Mm. You I look at the the Chicago Bears and I love to take the piss out of the Chicago Bears on a regular basis, but their first pick is number 39. And they need a receiver. And you've got Ryan Poles, who's the new general manager there, who incidentally I'm never going to let forgive the fact he says we're going to take back the North and never let it go. Good luck with that, Ryan. Um, Is that
3: that Canada they're trying to take? Oh, God
0: knows. (laughs) Well, they can't even control Lake Michigan. So um, good luck with that, Ryan. He said, you know, a receiver has to be right there and it has to be there at the right level. The biggest takeaway is you can talk yourself into anything at this point. I am not overcooking my board. Um, They have got to... You have to think they would have to take a receiver. But if you're taking receiver number nine or ten... If you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're not going to be overly enthused by that. So I would say there's a bit of pressure on them to either work out how to jump up, and get a guy, because let's be honest, their passing attack has been crap for years. Or what do you do? Do you trade backs? so you get more picks because you've got more problems? It's
1: a really difficult job. Who says you have to take a wide receiver? I mean, tight end number one could be sitting there, Trey McBride, he could be in that kind of slot. And you see um, tight ends now like Travis Kelsey um, and George Kittle, who are effectively big wide receivers. Um, They're completely utter mismatch nightmares. So instead of panicking and growing up the board, they could just sit there and take the best tight end in the draft. If they're bold enough to do that,
3: I, th- I think you're right. Ian. there comes a point in the draft where actually it doesn't matter. You know who, who you draft. If the best player available there is better than your sort of eleventh pick wide receiver, you've got to go down that route. Your fan base. I. It's one of these little tropes of of drafty, though the fan base isn't happy. I mean, to be quite honest, sod the fan base. You get in what you think you need. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the fan base, the, the Twitterati will get will come at you for a day um, and then you can ride ride that storm out. So um, I've never been a great fan of the fan base won't like <laughs> it. You know, just just doesn't particularly bother me uh, well, from that the perspective. fan base
2: not liking it is the best thing about drafty. <laughs> when they boo their own picks, it's great. Uh, Jets fans booing their first pick. That is like one of the things that has to happen on first round on the first round night. Absolutely. That, that, that's and, that's uh, that's the pages. that's a shame.
1: Jamie, that's a shame of moving it out of New York, New York oh, City, yes. because you don't yeah. have the Jets and the Eagles and the Giants all booing their own players. <laughs>
2: Have we got um, have any thoughts about the, any the, the Patriots trading out the first rounds every time you want you want to look out for that and you yep. want to see the Raiders drafting someone who's due to go in the kind of late fourth round <laughs> for their first round pick. Those yes. are the those are the, those are the things that you you've got to look out for every every single year.
0: And and we also the, yeah and the Dallas Cowboys annoying another team in the NFC East with the guy who comes on stage and basically takes pot shots. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs>
3: So we're do are we doing the drinking game? Are we for all of these things? Is that is that the <laughs> that'd be great? Is that the point? I mean, it 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 does come down to that. Yeah, teams will always overpay somewhere along the line. There's no doubt. I don't know if you covered this just before I jumped in, but have we talked about Debo Samuels yet?
0: No. Well, we were going to discuss this. I that my next question was going to be: Are there going to be any wacky trades that are going to affect the draft between now and then? And I'm I guess we're talking about Debo and. Uh, DK Mac, Metcalf maybe as well, perhaps a bit of AJ Brown, but I can't see him getting shifted. But I think it's got well, to be Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf who are prime candidates.
3: You know, if you, if you take if you've got two picks in the first in the first round. Do you try and do a deal with San Francisco if if they realise that Debo does not want to play there? What do you do if you're the, the the general manager of San Francisco? You've already messed up by taking a quarterback and sitting him for a year and causing controversy. You've now got Debo Samuel who doesn't apparently want to play there. Do you take you know an offer from the Jets? Who've got two? Do you take an yes because the they'll Giants? always
0: be crap. So yes. yeah,
3: You know you know what do you, what do you do on this? So oh, okay, he would so, well. I'll, I'll, ask the three, I'll ask the three of you. So it's simple. So if, if I offer you as the Jets, the number, is it four I think they pick up? Four and Debo's, ten they've got. So if I offer you four, the, the fourth round pick for Debo Samuel, yes or simple, yes or no, guys, what would you do in the current situation? Bearing in mind that we're assuming that he definitely wants to leave.
0: I would, uh, if I if I had the number four pick and I was offered Debo Samuel, I'd take it. Especially if we are, led as we are led to believe... This draft class is a bit meh. Debo Samuel's a proven winner. The only problem is you've got to have the you've got to have the cap space to pay him.
2: Yeah, that's the Giants' problem. Um, I'd, I'd I'd trade him for the tenth, but not the fourth, because I still think that there's really there's going to be really really good players there at, at, at four. I would definitely not. I would. I I, I
1: would we were over giving him up a first round pick for him and by saying that it means the Eagles are definitely now going to trade for him in the draft (laughs) (laughs) well
0: if you're San Francisco do you trade him in the NFC that's the other question I mean the only AFC team correct me if I'm wrong with two picks is the Chiefs who are Super Bowl contenders every year if I'm the Chiefs I'm looking at this and given the way they do you know the way they run their offense and the way that Tyreek Hill You know, was involved in their offense in the backfield and with end arounds and stuff like that. Debo Samuel is an absolute shoe in for that offense. If you can lob in a second round pick as well, I just think it's an absolute no brainer. But I don't know. They don't, John Lynch spoke a couple of days ago and didn't seem very enthused about the prospect of him leaving. But it's funny. It's draft day. We saw what happened last year with Rodgers causing all sorts of problems. You can absolutely see something going down between now and 1 a.m. on Thursday night.
1: I'm just looking forward to a picture of somebody wearing a gas mask with smoke coming out of it. <laughs>
0: yes, Laramie Tunsil special.
1: <laughs> Pretty sure it's that also this draft. Geographical... Sure dad that, that tweeted the photo or his, his uncle.
0: Absolutely brilliant. This this draft, of course, is also happening in Vegas. So what Vegasism are we likely to see?
3: Uh, I, I think you'll see there'll be an all-you-can-eat buffet in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what it is. You'll be allowed to go up as often as you like. It's been years since I've been in Vegas, but there was uh, um, my wife and I were sitting at one of these all-you-can-eat buffets, and there was a couple that was quite close by us, and the guy just didn't get this concept of being able to go up as many times and kept coming back with the one plate that was piled yay high. It just You're thinking, mate, you can go up anytime. Anytime, it just makes no sense. So yeah, I want to see a big all-you-can-eat buffet in
1: the background.
0: The irony that the draft is in Sin City and players are not allowed to gamble is not lost on me. Frankly, it's.
1: <laughs> I, I would like to see somebody being interviewed um, in a uh, by uh, um, Dion Sanders on stage, and mm. he's got a special custom-made suit, but the custom-made suit is '70s Elvis. <laughs> ah, yes. that, that, that that it's got to be the white suit with the wings
3: it's yeah. got to be without the jewels, absolutely I've also met Elvis I, I met the hardest working Elvis in Las Vegas there you go <laughs> least that's that's what he told us
0: <laughs> well I think um, we're just about there in terms of our draft preview who's going number one come on stick your neck out uh,
1: I'm going to have to go with protecting Trevor Lawrence and I think it's got to be uh, Evan Neal
3: yeah See, I, I absolutely agree with Ian, but it is the Jacksonville Jaguars, so there's no way they're going to do the sensible thing. Um, they're just not. I think they take Hutchison.
2: Hmm. I think all the buzz is around Trayvon Walker. So I, I, think, I think that's the way they're moving. Brilliant. Think, so you've selected three possibles there. So am I just to just she, go... Listen, Trayvon
1: Walker is the next Mike Mamula I'm, I'm telling you right now.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I quite agree. <laughs> I heard <laughs> there's so much dysfunction there, and they're so wowed by his um, his combine numbers that they'll they'll pull the trigger.
0: I, I heard a terrific piece. Uh, was it a Maurice Jones-Drew, the former Jaguars uh, running back, was on um, another rival podcast in the states, friends of ours, um, and he was saying it all depends on who holds the keys to the kingdom in Jacksonville. If it's the uh, if it's Doug Peterson who's calling the shots, it's going to be the offensive tackle. If it's um, Balky, who's the general manager, it's going to be Trayvon Walker. And if it's the owner, Shad Khan, it's going to be uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So we'll find out who's actually running the show when the pick's made.
3: (laughs) What I'm looking forward to most is, and I'm sorry, Jamie, I'm going to reveal this on the podcast. Jamie has set up a one-to-one with Urban Meyer to get his reaction to the draft pick. So I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Are you doing a, are you doing this one to one in a in a bar somewhere in Oklahoma or
2: <laughs> well I mean where else? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, listen, it's going to be terrific. Um it's going to be compulsive viewing and I think nobody really knows what's going to happen. So, I'm going to stick my neck out and say they're going to they're going to make a sensible pick and go with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. But I don't know. We'll see. It's what we do know is that it's the draft. It is totally unpredictable and it's it's going to be built. It's going to be a belter. It starts at 1 a.m. in Vegas, Thursday night, the first round, and then rounds two and three, of course, Friday night and, and into Saturday morning. And then where the general managers make their money is the. 4th, 5th and 6th, 7th rounds and that's all over the course of the weekend and we'll probably have a preview not long after all that but gentlemen, it's been a pleasure Paul, thank you for actually bothering to turn up Ian's already left it appears, <laughs> he's because gone. he's decided he's gone off to research offensive tackles that the, the Eagles may or may not pick um, and Jamie, um, good luck with the Giants potentially trading back from number 7 I don't think it's going to happen to be honest
2: like if you can put a word in um, with a, anyone if the, that wants to trade up then I, I'd really appreciate it.
0: Brilliant Well that is the full-time whistle on episode 189 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our ramblings for rating us so highly across wherever you download your podcasts um Cameron, Somewhere in the United States, trying to tout for the Seattle uh, Seahawks job. Perhaps he'll be back after the draft when he realizes that San Francisco still haven't picked because they don't have a first round pick. Um, hopefully, he'll be back. It's great to have Paul back, and uh, we will be with you again very, very soon to recap on the draft. How's it all gone for our, our teams? How's it gone for your team? Send us your predictions about what's going to happen over the next 24 hours. Um, but for now, Goodbye.